Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving, celebrating however you do that with your family. I can just tell you that I am very excited about this show today with my guest, Barbara Spaulding. She is a licensed clinical social worker, and she's a specialist as an anxiety therapist and an anxiety coach. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is going to be so enlightening and special and I know your friends call you Barb and I will be calling you Mm -hmm. Barb as well because I feel like just getting prepared for this podcast has connected me to you in a very special way because I think many of us, it's true, (coughs) excuse me, many of us can relate to this word anxiety and we're going to be talking about that because that is your specialty and words matter and perhaps we will discover this together as we share your experiences with our listeners and before we get over to talking about your personal experience with anxiety could you just you know just a little tell tell our listeners just a little bit about your background Sure. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm also a marriage and family therapist. I got licensed in 1988. I've been at this for a while. I've been in the field, you know, about 30 years now. And that's my professional background. I've got two grown kids, a husband of 42 years, dogs, life. Life is good. Life is good. I, I love hearing that. You know, life really is good, and and I find myself almost well. I I don't. I, it is. It's a daily practice for me right now to express verbally how grateful I am, because I am grateful, and part of my gratefulness is doing this every week with people that are grateful and love what they do, and that translates and people appreciate that and I just I think that this subject is near and dear to me and I think many people will be able to relate and you personally have an experience with anxiety and I thought maybe we could start off with what was your personal experience with anxiety sure Um, I love telling my story because for most people with anxiety it's very hard to, for somebody who doesn't have it to relate. So I had my first panic attack in 1979, uh, completely out of the blue, and I had no idea what it was. I was early 20s. I was in a flower store getting flowers for my wedding, and I had this flush of adrenaline, and anxiety just started, and I started my heart beating, felt like I couldn't catch my breath, and all I knew was I have to get out of here. Don't know why but there must be more air outside, so I have to get out of here. And that's what I did. I ran out. 
was able to calm down, go back, continue, got married, um, mm-hmm. you know, went on my honeymoon, came back, and then the panic attacks and anxiety started full force. I, I'm going to say that I use anxiety to cover anxiety and panic attacks for the discussion. So All right. I, I did for about the next 15 years have anxiety and panic attacks and a lot of avoidance and a lot of growing fear and what's wrong with me and I can't make this stop and just working my life around trying to manage the anxiety, meaning my life got smaller and smaller. So I felt safe in my car, so I didn't want to walk too far. I always had my car near me, and I did all kinds of things to avoid the anxiety, which was the beginning of the cycle that I got caught in, which is what most people get caught in, and then don't know where to intervene to stop it. And I thought, well, it happened in a store, so I'll go to a different store. Well, it happened in that store. It happened in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, now I need to sit by the door. And everybody that's anxious knows when I say, why did I have to sit by the door? Because I might have to run out. And that's mm-hmm. the way anxiety starts to slowly take over your life, and you become hypervigilant. And the truth is we're afraid of the symptoms. We're terrified of the symptoms because they're terrifying. That's interesting. Is a pan- a, a panic a-, a panic attack is something that you physically feel in your body. Is that right? Like is your is yes. your heart beating fast? Things like that. Absolutely. And this is something I want people to know. Anybody who tells you that it's not real hasn't had mm. one. The right. symptoms are absolutely real. Your heart is beating. You're having that experience. The adrenaline burns. You feel like fight, flight, or or freeze, that's real. Not real is the reason. You're not really in danger, but you've set off what we call that natural instinct to protect ourselves from danger. But when I was in the grocery store, the only danger was probably the prices, right? There wasn't (laughs) real danger. But my sense of danger was coming from those symptoms. So remember, they're Mm -hmm. scary, they're uncomfortable, they're icky, but they're not dangerous. Interesting. That's very helpful. And I know as we move through our conversation today, I will be, you know, asking clarifying questions so that I sure. I figure if I'm wondering, maybe somebody else is. So how did you recover from all of this? Well, this is what I remember. And, and it's funny how after all these years, these memories are yeah. very clear, it's something you don't forget. I had had panic attacks and anxiety in stores consistently where Mm -hmm. I was that woman that would leave a cart and run out the door and run to my car and then, you know, breathe and calm down and then be worried the next time, right? So one day after probably about 12, 14 years of this, I was standing in the store and I was just reading a, a label and started to feel that adrenaline and think, oh my gosh, again? And then I thought, well, if this is going to be my life, then go ahead. I'm I'm just going to pass out here on the aisle, and they'll have to move me. And I said, fine, anxiety, come get me, because I can't live like this. And you know what happened, Marsha? Nothing. 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 (gasps) The minute I said enough, I'm not going to be scared, there was nothing to be scared of, and nothing happened. So I can I can imagine, you know, what I must have looked like sneaking around the grocery store, looking around the corner. Is it going to be there? Is it going to be there? And I'd love to say that that was magic and I never had them again, but I did. 
But what I noticed is the less I added to, oh, my God, what's going to happen, the quicker I recovered from them, the less intense they were. And then I started pushing what I call my comfort zone. So sitting further in a restaurant, not just at the, at the you know, right mm-hmm. by the door, and realizing, well, wait, is all this then? I'm actually doing better and better. And then I started to be in my, my therapy practice and talking to people that had it, and I started putting together really a program of how I recovered. And I always tell I, people, look, if I had magic, I would give it to you. I would charge right. you a lot for it, but I, <laughs> there's no magic there. So, but you know, I get started. You can just break in. Well, and I will interrupt you probably because that's just what I do anyway. But I'm just visualizing what you just went through. And what I also saw in this vision is the look on your face when you looked around with your eyes going, and it's like, (laughs) oh, my God, nothing happened. The relief of that must have been phenomenal. Do you ever worry that you will get anxious like that again? No. Good. Um, I, I would say that at the, my very last anxiety attack, I was at a movie theater. I was sitting in the middle aisle. It was a comedy, and I started crying. And my husband said, you know, it's a comedy. I said, yep. <laughs> so when we went home, he said, what were you crying about? I go, Bob, I was in the middle aisle of a movie theater, and I wasn't anxious. I wasn't thinking about it. Oh, I was gosh. enjoying the movie. I think it's over. And it was. That was pretty much the end of it because I'd been practicing things, calming, and kind of pushing myself to check things out. And I remember it was such an emotional relief. And, you know, if you have anxiety, you're holding on so tight. I, Mm -hmm. I remember just feeling scared all the time and then having these kind of blow up anxiety attacks. But Living with fear all the time when there's no real danger. There, nobody should tell you that's fun. That is not fun. No, Nothing no. Nothing fun about it. You know, just hearing you say that, I'm being honest with you, um, that brought tears to my eyes because mm-hmm. I, I am imagining what that must have been like for you. And I'm wondering, as people are listening to this, what they're also thinking because it's real. And I think that it would be very helpful for those of us that are listening and being informed by you. I would like to know, what is the difference between stress and anxiety? Because I imagine they're not the same. No, that's a great question. Um, Stress is, I think of it as external. I have to meet a deadline. Uh, I have to get on this call. I finish a project. I'm upset about a relationship, something I said. It can be attached to something, and, and it's clear. You know what it is, right? I still have stress in my life. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is that sense of danger, that you're in danger, that wherever it is, that you're in danger, your symptoms are dangerous. If you get anxious, you want to fight, flight, or freeze, or avoid And then underneath all of that, what will happen then, what will happen then is a feeling that I'm somehow going to disappear. I used to be afraid I would jump out a window. I have no idea why. Die, be abandoned. So it's based in real, in in danger, but we're not really in danger. We're just having an anxiety reaction. 
that's so really that I would say. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go no, ahead with okay. the stress. No, well, I want you to finish that thought. Well, that's something we we all have, and I still also have, but I use all the techniques, and so I'm not a very stressful person. <laughs> we just learn to be calmer. That's that's really interesting. Um, based on what you just said, because now that you have def- defined what anxiety means, and I would, I'm assuming, well, maybe you can help me with this. Is anxiety and anxious one and the same? I think people use them, but aren't really using them correctly. I think it's probably the same because it's a different form of the same word. Um, but we say all the time, I'm anxious, but we're mm-hmm. stressed. So we can use it that way. I've also recently uh, heard the idea that, well, just tell yourself anxiety is excitement. And as somebody who had it, don't ever lie to yourself. Because right. yourself is already being lied to about this anxiety and panic and OCD. And so tell the truth about it. It doesn't feel excite- exciting. It's fear. And that's right. not that exciting. No. So you can tell the truth and then say, and this is what I'm going to do about it. Right. I'm just curious as someone that's never mm-hmm. seen a therapist about this subject, but I'm just going to share with you something about me. I, Because I live alone except for Miss Kitty, I really mm. speak out loud a lot during my day when I say something Mm -hmm. like okay I know you need to make this call and um, maybe you're feeling a little anxious about it but you know what Marsha and I say this but you know what Marsha it's not that big of a deal you're going to take notes you're going to ask your question and you're going to get an answer and you've got this so I am like I tell people I'm like my own cheerleader Sometimes I'm looking in the mirror and I'm saying, you got this. This this is fine. Yeah, you're feeling a little stressed out. You had a crazy week last week. Your show didn't start on time. Who wouldn't be anxious about that? But guess what? You figured it out. You figured yep. it out. Congratulations to you. So I feel like if I can't be my own cheerleader, I can't expect others to do it for me. So that's kind of how I deal sometimes with what would be a stressful situation for me. Um, I I have a lot of friends that are widows, and sometimes they are very stressed, and I'm able by my experience to share some of my experiences with how how I've coped with that. Um, I think that talking to people, well, for somebody that was born to talk, hello, that shouldn't come as a big surprise. <laughs> I surprise people. I'm, people that mm-hmm. are probably more introverted might have a, um, a different experience. But as we're speaking, I do want to mention this. You have a sensational website, and I will make certain that people Thank can you. find that. But for those of you that are listening to this live, if you go to anxiety, and trust me, I've had to spell that 12,000 times to spell it right. <laughs> it's just, you know, where does the I and the E go? You know, I before E, except after C, Marsha. That's what we learned I in school. I still do that. I still I'm do telling that. you, it, it works, right? Oh, right. It's so right. funny. So anxiety and panic, P-A-N-I-C, mm-hmm. dot solutions, will take you to Barbara's 
page. And Barbara spells her last name S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G. And I'm telling you, when you go to this page and you can see that you can click onto a free Zoom link that she has, which I did, I loved, I think that this is Thank great. You. And I just really wanted people to know about this. But let's talk about your responsibilities as an anxiety coach. Can you give us some examples of the skills that you teach? Sure. Um, and, and also I want people to know that this is really my mission. I've been doing therapy. I've done lots and lots of work in this field. I love it. But because I had this, I, I know what people need to do to get better. Mm-hmm. And I believe people will get better. And it doesn't matter how long you've had it. It doesn't matter how much you have it. It's, the bottom line is you have to do something different. And so that's what I teach. And in terms of what we do, I offer lots of different services, which people can find out about. I, I have the free Zoom group. Um, actually, it's tomorrow night if people are free, 530 Central Time. And I, it's every other week. And I started doing that because I want people to get some information and see that there's a different way to do this, whether you work with me or somebody else. You have to do Mm -hmm. something. So what do I really teach? You know, I start with awareness. You have to know what you're dealing with. You have to really be very aware of what's going on and understanding your symptoms. The idea is we're putting a big light on something that for a lot of you and me was very shameful. And Mm -hmm. shame is about secrets. I didn't tell my husband for the first four years of our marriage. Wow. Um, 42 years later, 42 years with him, he figured it out at some point. But I was so, it made me feel so, what's wrong with me? So we need to move past that. And then I start teaching about your cycle. I teach about anxiety becomes a habit. And you need to break that habit. And you need to offer yourself different ways to break it and stop beating yourself up. Um, and then we move. I'll just give you some general ideas. Cause, and you can stop sure. me anytime. No, because I'm going to ask you some specifics. Mm-hmm. Everybody with anxiety, you have to stop being at war with your anxiety. It literally is just a hurt, scared part of you. And the more you yell and beat up, and I've heard all the names you call it, the worse it's going to get. So we start with a more loving and kind way of looking at this, assessing it um, from fear to awareness. I teach people to dialogue with their anxiety, understand what, why is it really there? Um, you know, we all mm-hmm. have this loud critic or a committee of critics need to break through that. Um, I actually tell people they need to work on things like self-forgiveness. Um, yes. do mindful techniques, focusing, slowing down. I can go on. I'd say I have like 15 or 20 things you can learn, but you probably need about five to really start recovering from this. Mm-hmm. But you can. You know. Absolutely. You're not just well, learning this from a book. <laughs> Right, no, and, no. and then you I, I see have it. People, yeah. Oh my gosh, I have I get messages almost every day, and I have people that have had it will say mm-hmm. to me, "Oh, I was born with it, and I'm in my fifties." Well, okay, so now we can change it. It, it. I also really believe this is a learned behavior. I, I know a lot of people really? have traumas and dysfunction in their family, and and wherever they come from in that, this is more about learning and unlearning what's happened, unwinding that whole um, cycle with these new techniques. Mm -hmm. Do 
people that have PTSD benefit from this? Oh, yes. Um, you know, post-traumatic stress is an anxiety-related disorder mm-hmm. along with the trauma. That's what I thought. And so it's important to work through whatever trauma. Look, I'm a therapist, so I believe right. in the therapy. One of my concerns, though, with is that you have to deal with your symptoms because it's very hard to be in therapy when you're anxious all the time. So you either work on both or you at least work on your symptoms and then take care of that trauma in you. Because I believe anxiety is trying to protect you. And and if your anxiety is attached to a trauma, you've got to work through that. That's very interesting. I know that... Um because we've talked about this off the air, that there are three words that you teach people, and I thought you could share that with our listeners. Well, this is my fun story because, oh, boy. you know, this, back in 1980s, most people don't, my kids don't get this. I did not have a phone, right? We didn't have phones. And my kids say, I don't understand how you don't have, didn't have a phone. Did you know you didn't have a phone? No, there weren't any phones. So my point is I would write words on my hand, like calm, slow down, breathe, so I could leave my house and go out. And I would literally write it on my hand. I tell everybody now three words that will help you calm down, put them in your phone, put them on your nightstand, because when you get anxious until you get better at practicing calm, you won't remember what to do. And when we get scared, what we do is, I got to get out of here, right? Or I got to fight through this, or freeze, or avoid it. So those words are based on your physical symptoms, your emotional reaction, and your what you're telling yourself. Most mm-hmm. people will use like breathe, focus, slow down, breathe, quiet. I'm safe because remember, anxiety is about not feeling safe. So where I say I used to write it on my hand like the original Palm Pilot, um, <laughs> that that was something that I could look at. And, and instead of saying, oh, my God, i got to run home, I could say, Barb, breathe. And that's how I figured out that we have to start changing our reaction to this or we'll always be anxiously reacting. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that was fundamental for me that made such a big difference. So everybody I can come up with yes. their own three words. I think that's really important, and I know when you said you didn't have a phone, you meant a cell phone, not a phone phone. Right. Oh, um, yes, that's right. Like, yes, cause that's, <laughs> right. I, because, because so many of us still, I mean, I'm using a landline right now as I'm speaking with you, but I think what's really interesting is that the three words, which you just mentioned, calm, slow down, and breathe, and you had them written on your hand to start with because that was your Palm Pilot, which I love that. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Young people don't even know what we're talking about. No, um, I know they don't. <laughs> they, they don't. But do you say it out loud to yourself or do you just read it? Well, I think either way, you know, we all learn differently. My, yes. What I tell people is memorize those words. Don't think that you will remember them. Write them down on something on your phone so that you know mm-hmm. them. You know, the idea here is we're moving everything that's anxious reaction, anxious behaviors to calmer behaviors that we want to yes. integrate. So this is something you might do in the beginning. You know how kids learn and they talk out loud, now I tie my shoe, now I put my foot in my shoe, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of what's happening because people have told me, 
consistently, I don't know what it means to be calm anymore. It's been so long. I'm, I don't know. And so it becomes now a new skill. And so say it out loud, whatever you need to, to stop that anxious cycle. Every time you're anxious, you practice being anxious. And, you know, COVID could not have been a friend to this. When no. so many uh-uh. of us became isolated and fearful and, oh, my God, you know, and, um, Absolutely. and I, I'm sure, I mean, you know, I, I'm certain that that didn't help. And you probably saw a lot of um, of your clients that that had that aspect connected to them as well, I'm, I'm guessing. Would that be right? Oh, I think so. I mean, COVID has changed so much. For, for mm-hmm. every for everybody, right? Yes. One thing that happened is once people added that fear, it was very it's very hard to get out of it. Now it's another health fear to deal with. Right. And but I think people that were on the edge probably got pushed over. But also mm-hmm. we have people that didn't get anxious. They've gone past it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to really assess that. But certainly, yes. I think the, the biggest change I've seen is the amount of teens that I feel are really struggling and are kind of in trouble. It's very I get so many calls yes. for teens. Yeah. Yep. It's very interesting, Barb, because when I was on that free Zoom call, and there were quite a few of us, and, and there is a perfect link on your website where people can go there, register, I get an email, I know when it's going to be on, and I have the link. I was... I noticed because I'm interested in people. So I was particularly interested in seeing that there were quite a few what I would have considered young people on that call. And I thought this is very interesting because mm-hmm. this does not just affect affect one segment of our population. And so that was interesting what you just said about young people. And I think... I've got some examples of what people might be saying to you from your clients, and maybe we can talk Mm -hmm. about that. As an example, can anybody get better when you hear, I've had this a long time? What do you say to that person? I say absolutely, without question. And the great thing about I've been doing this long enough that, that on the free Zoom group, which can be 50 or 60 people, so it's big, mm-hmm. some people that have left are done. People say, well, where's all the people that have recovered? Well, they're not here anymore. But yes. I've had some that come back and they say, look, I did the smaller group with Barb. I do small groups of 10 people. And I'm telling you, two years ago when I heard her, I didn't believe it would work for me. Like Barb's different. And... She got better, but I won't. Well, I might be different, but in terms of this, I'm not. And they will come back and talk and say, I'm living my life. I'm traveling. You know, I'm, I'm going to a wedding or, across the country that I never thought I'd go to. I'm getting my life back because that's what mm. this is about. Time oh, to get yeah. your life back. We don't have forever. No. So, yes, I see Yes, I, and and I can't say, well, how long does it take? That's the next question. Sure. I hate to say I don't know as long as it takes, but I know the more practice you do, mm-hmm. the better it gets. Let, let's mm-hmm. just open a window here to making right. things better. It, it takes – it's a, something that you've been 
practicing being anxious, not knowing that, but that's what's been happening. So it's a habit that we break by giving you other things to do instead of be anxious. I, I love that. And you, and if somebody says, well, how did I get this way anyway? I mean, I, I didn't ask for this. How did I get this? What, what do you say to that person? Well, I always want people to know, look, at it isn't your fault. It's not like you didn't eat your broccoli or something, and that's how you got <laughs> it. And the truth is we get it because we have a sensation that we're scared of, and that sets off that whole cycle. So we start worrying about it. The bigger issue is probably something in your history, something you learned, maybe an area of um, of trauma or not getting something or you know, or you had a parent who was anxious. A lot of people mm-hmm. will say that. Or as a kid, I find this very true with men, they got the wrong messages. Right? Keep your feelings inside. Keeping your feelings oh. inside makes you anxious. So that's the whole other chapter I call oh. Feelings 101. So a lot of different reasons, but I would want people to know that when you come through the door, whether it's on my free Zoom, you're starting that journey out regardless yes. of how it happened. I, I that's that's really that's that's real important. And I'm I'm guessing that you must hear this often, which is is there something wrong with me? I mean, why why me and not her? What's wrong with me? Nothing. This right. is not I don't I don't really think of this as mental illness. A lot of people will disagree with me, but I think of this as disordered anxiety. It's out of balance because we all have that instinct for protection. So if a car is driving into you and you're on the road, you're not going to think, well, I wonder what I should do. Should I move? No, your instinct says move and you move, right? Right. There we don't have to think about it. But when we've activated it by, like for me, going in a store and thinking, am I going to get anxious? Uh-oh, I'm scared. Uh-oh, that activates that anxious part. And now mm-hmm. it's going to give me all those symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, you, you know, know, there's not something wrong. I do find, Marcia, that a lot of people with anxiety are also very sensitive. Possibly really? highly sensitive or empathic and the message that they heard as I did is you're too sensitive and I think that we aren't too sensitive the world isn't sensitive enough but that because of that we don't learn to manage what's coming in and and somewhat get overloaded and then Mm -hmm. often hurt how many of us have heard these messages I'll give you something to cry about and keep your feelings to yourself feelings aren't safe that just feeds your anxiety because where are you going to put it? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I guess I give my stress, anxiousness, however we want to call those terms, I do give it a voice. Um, I don't really like to drive. I think I was really born to be a passenger, I, and I think <laughs> that I inherited this from my mother. My mother didn't get her driver's license until I was 10 years old. She didn't hmm. like driving. She was anxious in the car. She never wanted to be in the car on a holiday. There's too many cars on the road. And I think, you know, I heard that growing up. And so now I'm 18 and I've got, well, geez, I think I better probably get a driver's license. How else am I going to ever get a job and go to work? 
So I was 18 when I got my driver's license, and I forced myself to drive, but I was anxious about, well, what if I don't remember how to get there? Okay. There wasn't there wasn't a ways right. and all no these GPS. different techniques that that we had in the <laughs> past. And I I no longer I'm just gonna make this about me for a moment because maybe other mm-hmm. people can relate to my story. I don't drive the freeway anymore for a couple of reasons. Number one, definitely not at night. I don't really like driving at night because I sit in a Camry, I'm in a lower car. If you are behind me in your SUV, you are blinding me in my side mirror. So that causes me some concern. Um, And I don't want to merge over because, oh, my gosh, what if they're going so fast? And, oh, my gosh, this is a fast lane. So my daughter lives nearby, and I was telling her, look at, I drive to the Staples Center 30 times a year between my Clippers and my Sparks. I need to figure out a way to do this that doesn't land me into the fast lane on this street because that makes me so anxious. So she said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to drive. I'm going to sit next to you. We're going to drive to the Staples Center in the way that you drive, and we're going to find a different way home, Mom, a way that's going to remove that stress, anxiety, whatever that term is that you're using, away from you. And I went, oh, my God, thank you. You're right. I can do this. Now, Marsha, do you remember? What's, where do you have to move? You need to move over. You're not in the lane you want to be in. I don't care if this lane's moving slower. I want to be in the lane that lets me know that I feel safe. Like you said, that danger. Oh, my God, what if I can't right. get over and Now what? So right. I suppose if I'm saying that and I'm thinking that, that is a form of anxiety because that is a danger that you that you were talking about earlier. I don't want to be afraid. Right. I don't want to be in danger. Oh, my God. So, all right. First of all, calm, slow down, and breathe. And you know what? Once I understand that, I have been able to truly reduce that level. That is no longer... My issue, just like when you said, you know what, I'm not afraid to sit here now. I'm not afraid to drive home from the Staples mm-hmm. Center anymore. Marsha, that is so great. You've really been able to use that. I wouldn't use the word calm, though, by the way, just because calm, if you could be calm, you'd be calm. I would maybe just use breathe, focus, and slow down. Focus. Or I'm maybe safe. focus breathe, is focus, a better I'm term. Safe. Right, yeah, and I'm focus safe. Focus is something you can do. You can have... So focus when you're driving, and so many people have driving problems, yes. um, is my, you know, you're sitting and you're feeling a little uncomfortable. Okay, so I'm uncomfortable. I'm aware of that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that my hands are on the wheel and my feet are on the right. ground and I'm sitting. Right. And I'm breathing out, always breathe out first, and I'm looking around and I'm just enjoying this. I'm a little uncomfortable and that's Okay. Because mm-hmm. also, when you think about it, you gave the perfect example of someone who learned to be an anxious driver. I'm amazed you drive at all. Because yes. I'm thinking you picked up a lot. I'm sorry for your mom, but when people right. learn to drive later, so mm-hmm. you can see how that's learned. And one of the exercises we do is kind of write down what your anxiety is and what your thoughts mm-hmm. are, and then see if you can, in a very loving way, send it back to your mother. 
because right. it wasn't really yours to begin with. Right. And you know that this is an example of yet another gift you're sharing. And, and you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to make this about me, but I'm going to have to just say one other thing because I hear this all the time. My husband died at the Staples Center. I mean, he, didn't, he wasn't pronounced dead there, mm. but he was actively dying there. And it certainly wasn't anticipated. So sorry. And, and uh, thank you for saying that. It was absolutely unexpected. And then it's like, well, so now what? Now, I could have really dived into that enormous anxiety of, well, what, what, what am I going to do now? And here's what happened. And I, I just have to share this part because then I want to do get back to you, mm-hmm. but maybe this okay. will help somebody else. My husband was an engineer, all right? They are their own breed. And, yes. you know, I, I told people he was the rock, I am the mouthpiece. That's how it worked in our family. That's where you went for when you needed that rock, and baby, baby, baby is what you did when you came to me. But he mm-hmm. lived by these simple words. It is what it is. Now, Barb, I would always say, yeah, but, and he would say, no. It is what it is, period. Adapt. And when he died, I had that quantum leap experience where he literally came inside me with his spirit and said to me, Marsha, I did not mean to leave you, but it is what it is. Adapt. And that brought me the most enormous comfort and i've shared this a lot with people because perhaps somebody that's listening that might be experiencing something it is what it is isn't something that we can all it's like yeah but what 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 about this and he lived he meant it that is what he that is his foundation it is what it is so i'm just throwing that out there because i know that you probably have people that say I worry all the time, and it's just driving me crazy. I mean, what do you say to somebody like that, or they're having trouble sleeping? I mean, how do you? What do you advise them? Well, you know, this is what we know about worry. Think about it, and you know this. You just gave us a perfect example for this. What in in our life have we worried about? Worry, worry, worry. Hold it, hold uh-huh. it really tight, thinking we have control. What things have you worried about that have never happened ever? Right? Mm -hmm. So we all know that. But then what about things that happened that you didn't even know to worry about, like what you just talked about, Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter that you worried or not, you still had to deal with it in that moment. And you did. And the problem is worry only makes us be in the future, the past, not the present, and also undermines our ability to handle whatever we're going to handle. Because life is going to keep going. So you know, what we do is, but but people still believe, but I worried and it didn't happen. So part of this is I do in a, like work with people on what's your worry, what's true, what's not. It's that cognitive restructuring. Mm-hmm. If it happens, what will you do? And if it doesn't happen, how likely is it to happen? And what can you let go? Because right. one of the things is we don't like to let go. We want to know we have the answer and and the truth is, in life, we have to let go regardless of whether we know the answer. Um, the other thing I talk about that fits this is the idea of unconditional acceptance. 
And there's lots of oh, books boy. about it too. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, it's going to be very hard to make changes from where you're at when you aren't really where you're at. Mm-hmm. So um, as people get better, I have people get better all the time and then they get anxious again. That's mm-hmm. it. I'm quitting. This isn't working. And I say, wait a minute. In the beginning, I said unconditional acceptance includes you will get anxious. It's a graph that goes up and down. It's not a straight line. And right. accept that as part of it. You don't have to like it. Look, people think if I unconditionally accept it, I can't change it. It doesn't even mean you like it. You just unconditionally accept it. That's when we can start making changes. So your husband already knew that. He was very wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, I, I love, I just love your website, I must say. I'm just looking at Thank something you. as I'm speaking to you, and it says anxiety relief. Everybody tells you to calm down. It's like, you know what? Uh, Leave me the hell alone and don't tell me to calm <laughs> down. That's probably what I would want to say. All right. I used to um, say, I used to think, well, if I could, I would. Seriously. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. We'll talk about calmness if we, if we get to that part. But I, I am very fortunate, and I live a grateful life, I must tell you. And I don't have any difficulty sleeping. Thank you. Um, what do you tell people that do have difficulty sleeping? You know, it's, it's, a, real, it's a huge problem because mm. think about it. If you're anxious and having panic, you're probably anxious most of the day. And then to think that you're just going to shut your eyes and go to sleep, it's not going to happen easily. The worst thing that happens is if you have trouble sleeping, then before you're even in bed, you're starting to worry about, am I going to sleep? What if I don't sleep? And then I'm up all night, and then I have a crappy day tomorrow. So we want to be aware of all those thoughts, write them down, and then start changing those thoughts to, okay, if I don't sleep tonight, I will be okay tomorrow. I'll survive tomorrow. And to start telling yourself, I've had trouble sleeping, and tonight I'm just going to go to sleep. Now, that might not happen right away, but it's mm-hmm. different than, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to sleep. So remember, what we tell ourselves is a lot of what we produce. So we start to change that, and then I recommend people come up with, you know, a ritual. We do this safe space yes. imagery and a ritual that I'm going to do that, I'm going to do muscle relaxation, and then I'm going to work on letting go. It depends on your sleeping issue, right? Sure. If it's, you know, whether it's not getting to sleep, not being able to stay asleep, getting up too early. But I would say overall, people's sleep gets better as their anxiety gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's more just learning the skills of calm. Right. So did I understand that you perhaps are um, very much in favor of people journaling? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny, we talk about groups of people that are coming forward. Men are probably the group that's coming out about having anxiety more than Mm -hmm. ever before. And I tell them, you can call it a journal, a notebook, I don't care. But I want you to write. Right. So I send I send lots of things to people to write on. Um, I teach people about dialoguing with their anxiety, which is mm-hmm. a skill you can do with anything. So oh, yes. to start really having that conversation, whether you journal, um, so that you can change your relationship with anxiety 
then everyone says, I don't want a relationship with it, but you already mm-hmm. have one. It's just very mm-hmm. negative. Mm-hmm. And then that's a way that we learn, well, what has your anxiety been trying to protect you from? What does it know about you? What can mm-hmm. I do to work with my anxiety and find out what it really needs? You know, my um, what I do is to try and help people look at this very differently. And we need to stop being scared of it and really listen to our anxiety and ourself in a different way. So yeah, I think that's great. Great. Yeah. So you really believe in having an, an a, um, a dialogue with your anxiety? Yes. People are amazed what they find out. <laughs> really, um, like surprised, amazed because I do all these groups on Zoom and they start writing and go, "Oh, I didn't know my anxiety thought that about me." Oh, mm-hmm. and maybe we need to apologize for being mean to our anxiety. We can do that. Yeah. Interesting. And forgiving ourselves also. We we and stop beating ourselves up about this. Mhm. Mhm. Our self love is really important, isn't it? I know it sounds so cliche, but the results are amazing. Really amazing. Yes. You know, because it's so you're funny. dealing with a scared. Sorry. Right, no, go finish that thought because you made me think of my mother again. (laughs) Oh, well, it just, I really still think of our anxiety as a scared kid part. And, you know, yelling at kids doesn't work. It doesn't help yelling at yourself either. Right. It it doesn't. And when you were talking about the self-care, and I I just, I remember my mother saying um, when I was probably a teenager, you know, you can't expect anybody to love you if you don't love yourself. And and that mm-hmm. has, that that message stuck with me as well. I got positive things from my mother as well. So that when and mm-hmm. I remind myself of that. You know, she yeah, she didn't like being on the freeway. Um if you could get to the valley by taking old Sepulveda, which is a street that people that live around here are familiar with, oh my God, then let's go that way. The people don't drive as fast there, you know. And I would be sitting in the back seat, and I'd be hearing that. So, you know, I, right. I don't think my brother picked that up, but I did. But let's let's talk about some of the mm. things that um, why it's so difficult to being mindful. Why do you think, how, how can being mindful and practicing calm, talk a little bit of that is and what people can take away from that information. Well, being mindful means being present, and it's so, so simple. You could do it right now. Everyone listening can be also mindful. The difference is we we somehow got the idea we need to control our thoughts, and and I've read that we have about 6,000 thoughts a day. Do we really think Mm. we can control them? And so the difference in being mindful is you have a thought, but you don't have to chase it down the road, right? You don't have to be, you know, set up a tree diagram every time you have a thought you can just say oh there's that thought so being Mm -hmm. curious being aware Mm -hmm. oh there it is and there it goes and i'm mindful i'm listening to this conversation that's all i really do in this moment this moment but of course we're highly distracted i mean look at the world we're living in right now right you know how many of us really before we're even awake we're looking at our phone I do it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, 
what I teach is to practice being calm. So if you're anxious, right now you're anxious, let's say you're getting better, but you're anxious of the freeway. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't say, Marcia, go out on the freeway and do some breathing, and I hope you do really well. That's mm-hmm. terrible. What I do is say, let's drive near the freeway, and I want you to work on your anxiety and bring it mm-hmm. down. So from mm-hmm. 1 to 10, if it gets to a 3, bring it down and then go back. So that when you do the practice for being calm and mindful, that's about practicing that, not anxiety. Yeah. So it's a little off of your question, but the practice is what this all comes down to. Practicing and isn't that, being calm. Yes. And, you know, frankly, couldn't we apply that word practice to, I mean, they call it a yoga practice. Sure. It's something, you, it's, you can practice the piano. You know, you can practice a lot of things. And um, I think that because of where we are today in our society, and I mean, maybe maybe the people that are listening to us right now are saying, you know what, and that's why I don't turn on the news. I don't want to hear about who got shot where. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to, you know, that. what does that mean now? I'm never going to go into a Walmart again. I'm never going to go to a university again. Um, um, I, I can't go to an LBGQ um, T, um, um, club again. I mean, you can just imagine what could be going through people's minds if they are feeling the danger. And that's one of the things that I really got from you in your message when we first started speaking, Barb, is that anxiety is connected to fear and danger. And um, like your fearfulness when you were in the market, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, my anxiety about I can't get on La Cienega on the fast lane. People are coming too fast. Okay, then let's find an alternative, Mom. We will find an alternative. Well, guess what? That alternative doesn't make me nervous anymore. I'm, I'm really good with that. That works for me. And we, I guess we and I all would just find, say, I, I, yes. yeah, I would just caution you to decide that driving on the freeway, that it's not your choice. Right. That you don't choose oh, to drive on the freeway. But that's it's not how I look at it. Anxiety, right, because otherwise your anxiety is making that decision and that fuels anxiety. That, that's very, and that's it could very just true. Be really, you know, Marcia, it could be really simple. Your your mom wasn't a great driver, and you could use more practice driving on the freeway. And if you're not going to do that, you can work around it. But don't fuel your fuel anxiety with that thought. That's well, you the know, difference. you know what's so funny? I don't. Oh, thank you, doctor. No, but you know, it's really funny. I I was just telling you how I don't drive the freeway, right? Well, I'm I'm very active in my Rotary Club. And we were having an event um, that I was going to. I was telling my daughter about this. And I said, I'm wondering, how well, how am I going to get there? And she said, Mom, you know, you really mm-hmm. could get on the freeway. Stay, mm-hmm. in the, stay in this particular lane. You know where to get on the freeway. It's right by your house. Stay in that far right lane so that you don't end up merging to a to a freeway you don't want to be on, stay in that far right lane, you know how to use ways, you know where you're going to exit, I think you should try it. And you know what I did? Yeah, I did it. And? I, I did oh, it. Did it. That's so great. See, she gave you permission to do it in a way that would work. She did. That was and, great. And, and like I said, I talk out loud to myself, 
And as I got off the freeway, I said, victory, Marsha. That is victory. Mm-hmm. That is a victory. Good for you. Good for you. That's you trust so great. your instincts. And I, I guess I'm trying to say to other people as they're listening to this that perhaps, you know, you can also do the same thing about whatever might be causing you to be anxious. And because you offer so many things, I, like I said, um, I, I, we said, we talked about that before you and I were on the air together. I get my guests in a variety of ways. I have a lot of publicists, Barb, that send me their clients. Many of them are authors. I would say the vast majority of them are authors. But somehow... The universe yeah. saw me, found me looking. I found you on Twitter. Okay, so people go on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, because obviously based on what I do, I want my message about what I do to get out to whoever I am connected to in social media. I know there are plenty of people that say, that is about the last place in the world I ever want to be. And and I get that, and I respect that, and that's fine for you. I'm not judging you. That's another thing that I've learned about in yoga, without judgment. But your Twitter posts <laughs> were so spot on that I realized, my God, it's like part of my morning dose of of reality. And and I reached out to you, and that's how that all started with you and I. And and then it just kind of morphed from there, and it's really funny because as I look at your page, this is, I mean, this isn't, I don't like just keep turning this back to me, but on your page where it talks about anxiety and a panic and what's wrong with me, to the right of that is a picture, and there, mm-hmm. it's the word fear, okay? But everyone that knows me personally knows that when I looked at that page, I immediately saw the person in the red chucks. Now, somebody's going to go, chucks? What are chucks? It's like, well, if you know me, you know that is everybody has their brand. And it's like, well, God, Marsha, how many pairs of chucks do you have? Do you want the real truth and nothing but the truth? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Over 30. Thank you very much. I have. Well, I wear chucks. Your, maybe that's your issue, Marsha. Maybe that's I, the problem. No, I'm kidding. I know. I'm I know, kidding. I I'm not giving so that one up, honey. I, I know you're teasing me, but you know it's so I funny because I'm looking at these red chucks. But I, you know, your the pictures and just everything that you have on your website is is so delightful, and and your services are there, and your and your and mm-hmm. your individual therapy, and your couples therapy, and your marriage and family, you know, this must. I'm assuming I would presume that you get a lot of of of, of satisfaction um, in knowing that you oh, are making the oh difference. What what does that yeah. feel like for you? You know, I've been doing this work like I said, since actually like 1985. And I mm-hmm. tell people sometimes, look, if people weren't getting better, I'd get a real job. Well, <laughs> actually, at this point, I'm 66. I'd probably retire. But for me, it's much more mission and passion driven and always has been. I mm-hmm. am an empath from a very early age. And working with people when they're struggling and knowing I can help, 
um, whether they listen to me or not, is for me is all that it's really about. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's just me. And I think it's important because I, I see so many people suffering with this, Marcia, and I think, oh, my gosh, let me help you. Like mm-hmm. somebody will tell me that their sister has it. I'm like, oh, have them call me then. Um, mm-hmm. Or even just, I just don't think we need to be suffering with this. And here, here's my message to everybody. Find a way to reclaim your life because we have just how much time we have. And all of you are unique and different and wonderful, but anxiety won't let you be that. Anxiety will take your life. And mm-hmm. you'll, you'll miss things and opportunities and family and relationships and things that won't be back. So I just want people to get that because um, I used to say, I have had a professor friend who would say TikTok. And what she meant is we don't have forever. Now mm. you can't say TikTok and nobody knows what it means. But I just, I've been trying to get the information out. You know, I have a free Facebook page where I just post. I do mindful audios. I'm trying to get more comfortable with video. But um, I just want <laughs> people to get something that they go, maybe I could get better. Right. Maybe I don't have to miss my my granddaughter's party or the wedding or the travel, etc. That's you know, you know I remember live anxious. I remember this one man on that Zoom call said, "I get so anxious when I have to go to the doctor," and you saw all these heads going up and down like <laughs> without them speaking. Me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought I love the way you responded to him. And um, and I think that that there are some commonalities that that we can all stand. But you said something about what if thinking is future thinking, and if right. only it's, thinking well, right. is past. Yeah. And I love that. And the only place where there is true calm and peace is right now thinking. Mm-hmm. I. I think because you said, and I mean I've quoted you on that, because you said, I don't believe we're supposed to live with this type of anxiety and that there is a path Mm-mm. out. That's yep. brilliant. What, we all can do that. Well what, well, what if I don't do that? Oh, my God. What if I forget to do that? Uh-oh. Well, if only I would have just remembered. Well, you know... And sometimes I, I used to say this, when when we do that what if, what if I go to the party and nobody talks to me and nobody likes me and I end up all alone and it's horrible. But here's a thought. Why don't we say, well, what if I go and everybody likes me and it's a great time and I can't wait to go back and I'm the center of attention, right? And I love it. Our brain doesn't ever do that, but we can train ourselves to do that. So we're going to hear the what if I go, et cetera, et cetera, negative, And this is what I would tell people, say, well, what if I go and it's horrible and I get anxious? And what if I go and I have a really great time? So right. even though we Spin can't it. stop the anxiety thoughts because they're, they've become too natural, we can add to it. And mm-hmm. I always say use the words thank you and and yet. I don't know how to get better yet. This is different than I don't know how to get better. So when you start listening to that and making those shifts, and people are always surprised, some, well, often surprised when they get better. 
I say, well, why are you surprised? You're doing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I've been saying this, but I, I understand that. It comes from a deep, deep disappointment about having this mm-hmm. and shame. Well, I just, wanted, time, so. I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you oh, for thank you for sharing a bit about yourself. Thank you for allowing me to share a bit more about myself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I end up doing that, particularly when it's so very relatable and real. And especially, I'm telling you, especially when my kids say to me, "Mom, you got to find some way out of this. You need to speak to somebody." And and I thought, okay. Because you're hearing something in me that maybe I'm not hearing in me. And so I'm, I'm not going to argue with you about this. I'm going to be mindful <laughs> about what you say. I'm going to have some dialogue with myself, as you suggested, and see about some, some of the words, like you said. Maybe you don't say calm. Maybe you say focus. Maybe you do say slow down. Maybe you do say, in some places, I'm safe. You know, I, I try to build mm-hmm. that into how I live my life. But I just want to, I just think that what you're doing is so valuable. And because of the society that we live in today, because of technology today, people don't have to live in Illinois to come and see you. That's people true. Can, That's and, you right. know, think, think about that. Um, there was a time, mm-hmm. Barb, when I was actually in a studio where I was paying somebody a, a lot of money mm. to have my Born to Talk radio show be in a studio, and it was audio and it was visual. My guests were coming into the studio, and you could see us. When that opportunity came to a close, and I came over to Blog Talk Radio, where I am podcasting, that means my guests can be anywhere. My guest next week lives in Edmonton. He's calling him from Canada. Hmm. I have been able See, to open wonderful. up my... It is wonderful because I'm able to open up my world. And that is the beauty of sharing what people love with me so I can share it with others. And so I'm grateful for this time that you spent with me. And I look forward to these Zoom calls with you. And I hope Thank that you. others Thank take advantage. Thank you so much for having me. You're, you're so welcome. I feel Thank kindred you. to you. And um, I wish you all a wonderful last couple of days in the month of November because I'm telling you, ready or not, December's going to be here on Thursday. And people get a little stressed out this time of year. And, you know, just remember, maybe you need to pick your three words when you're standing in line trying to buy that special gift <laughs> to just calm yourself down. Or watching down. the snowfall, or watching the snowfall and make everything beautiful, not for you, but for well, us. Yeah, not, well, you know, so may those beautiful snowflakes just touch you. And, and while it may be cool, maybe it will warm your soul at the same time. <sighs> Thank you. There you go. So you're welcome. So everybody have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will let Barbara get on with her day, and thank you once again for joining me. Bye for now, everybody. Take care. Bye. Thank you.